you guys are awake this morning. I love it. Let's do that again. Good morning. Yeah. Oh, I know you guys are fired up, so now I'm getting fired up. So before I get into my sermon, I got one quick thing that I want to talk about. And this is something that we've been talking about all this year. And that is the Convoy of Hope outreach that's happening right here in Albuquerque. Now, a lot of you are familiar with this, but if you are not, let me give you the brief synopsis. We are going to be, we are part of a movement of churches here in Albuquerque who have partnered with Convoy of Hope, and we are giving away a million dollars worth of goods and services to the needy in our community right here in Albuquerque. Isn't that going to be amazing? Yeah, isn't that really incredible? Now, earlier this year, we said, hey, we're going to we're going to give some money towards helping this cause. We had to raise some funds um, as a city to be able to, ha- um, we needed some of the resources. Some of it was provided by, Con- most of it was provided by Convoy of Hope. So what we said was, wouldn't it be crazy? Wouldn't it be radical if we took the highest attendance Sunday of the year, which was Easter Sunday, and said, what if we took every dollar that came in on Easter Sunday and gave it away to helping our city? And uh, you guys blew my mind. Right out of our church, we raised $7,000. Isn't that amazing? Give praise to God. I mean, what, it's just incredible. It's just incredible to see what, what God is doing. And so now, here is the part now moving forward that um, we have this next step. And so the next step is this, is on June 23rd, the actual event happens. And so now we need to get some volunteers together to be able to pull off this event. So we've got the fundraising done. We've got semi-trucks loaded up. Uh, The city of Albuquerque uh, donated the convention center space and Civic Plaza for us to use for this event. Now, I don't know if you know the city. They don't donate anything to anyone, anywhere, anyhow. But for whatever reason, God moved. It was really quite a miracle that he moved and donated, um, the city donated the use of this space so that we can do this uh, big event that we're doing. And so we have all these pieces are lined up. Well, now we need between 12 and 1,400 volunteers uh, to be able to sign up to be able to pull this event off in the right way. And so we have all kinds of different categories that need some sign up. And so let me explain how the process works. And, and, I, and I'm really hoping that many of you will choose to volunteer. And so you go to the website. Our website will have a link. Our Facebook has a link. If you're on our email distribution list, there's a link you can click on. And, and you can sign up. To, to do it. So the way it works is that Friday night, um, there is a rally where we get to pick or they assign us which categories we serve in. And then on Saturday, we go and do the actual serving area. And so here's what I recommend. Because there's going to be between 12 and 1,400 people showing up um, at the rally night, um, I recommend grabbing a friend or two, sign up together. They don't have to be anybody in the church. Uh, it can be somebody that's not a part of the church. Um, it can be a friend. In fact, I would even say if you know somebody who's not a follower of Christ, this would be a great opportunity for them to get to experience what it looks like being the hands and feet of Jesus. It's, it's really incredible putting people in this position. So I recommend if you find a friend or two, sign up, sign up together online, carpool down together. That way you have a buddy. And, and then because in order for all of us to find each other in the midst of, of the sea of humanity it is very unlikely. And so we going down together with a friend would be super helpful. And I think it'll be a great time. And so as, just as your pastor, I really want this event to go well. Uh, so that we can be a blessing to our city. And so I just want to challenge all of you that if you have the opportunity and the time, I would love to see City Church show up um, in, in numbers and in force to be able to help be part of the volunteer team that, that pulls this event off. You guys excited about this? 
I'm excited about this. I can't believe that we're actually doing this in our city. I'm really, really excited. Well, good morning. My name is Matt Williams, and uh, I'm the lead pastor. That, I know you're like, why is that weird, awkward pause? We do the awkward pause for the video edit. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> and now that I did that, I got to start over, right? <laughs> good morning. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Matt Williams. I'm the lead pastor here at City Church. My wife and I, we, uh, we pastor the church. And if you're visiting, I actually am glad that you're here. I would love to get to know you, get to meet you, shake your hand. We'll actually be in the lobby after the service and would love to meet you. Uh, if you're watching online, we know that a lot of people will watch online. They'll actually watch a sermon or two before they ever come and visit in person. And so I look forward to seeing you very, very soon. This morning, we are starting a brand new series, a brand new series, and our series is called this, Jesus is Greater Than. Jesus is Greater Than. And we're going to take a look at the book of Hebrews as we're moving through this series, and this is going to last all summer long. So there's 13 chapters in Hebrews, and uh, there's roughly 13 weeks in summer. And so we're going to do something that we're going to go right through a whole book of the Bible, not necessarily verse by verse, but chapter by chapter as we move through the book of Hebrews this summer. So I'd like to start this morning by telling you a a story about migrating birds, migrating birds. You know, the um, Department of the Interior was trying to monitor birds as they're migrating south from the state of Washington. And so as they're bagging and tagging and releasing these birds, they would put the tag on the ankle. But the challenge was this, was that um, to put Washington Biological Survey on a tag on a little bird's ankle was too heavy. And so they they can't put all of that. And so it'd be a lopsided bird. So they had to shorten and abbreviate everything. And so they they ended up putting this tag on this thing and and they abbreviated it to W-A-S-H for Washington, period, B-I-O-L, bio, bio, B-I-O-L for biological, and S-U-R-V period for survey. So the story goes, a farmer from Arkansas wrote a letter in to the Washington Biological Survey and, and, and says this, Dear sirs, I shot one of your crows. My wife followed the cooking instructions attached. She washed it. She boiled it and served it. It was the worst thing we ever ate. Not everything you see is instructions. Not everything you see out there is uh, good instructions to follow. You know, it's funny because if you ever follow the GPS on your car or on your phone, if you ever type in an address and as you're driving down the road, like you know this isn't right, but the voice in the machine is telling you, you know, keep going straight or turn left, and you're like, I don't feel it, but I'm going to follow the instructions anyway. So there were three young professionals flying up again to Washington. They landed in Seattle. They rented a car They upgraded the car to a Mercedes-Benz SUV with navigation. Beautiful, beautiful vehicle. And they thought, we're going to roll up to this conference in style. And so they're they're, they're leaving the thing. It's late at night, almost midnight. They're they're headed to punch in the address for their hotel, and they're driving down the road. Um, It's dark. They're tired. GPS is telling them to turn directions. They're like, this doesn't seem right. They get off the freeway way too early. And so anyhow, eventually they're driving, and the GPS says, uh, now rerouting. And it has to recalculate the route. You guys know this, and you're like, oh, man, this is bad, bad news. And and so they're following the, the GPS, but they actually started heading down a boat launch into a lake. Now, boat launch is like that slow, gradual, concrete thing that goes down into the, into the water. And, and so they're headed that way, you know, 
at a pretty decent speed. Uh, and the GPS is trying to reroute. And so they end up crashing into the water and into the boat ramp. And the whole car goes underneath. And the fire department lieutenant shows up in an investigation. And, and in his notes, it quote says, I don't know why they wouldn't question driving into a puddle that doesn't seem to end. Unquote. <laughs> Sometimes you can follow directions into destruction if you follow the wrong directions. You know what I mean? Like you can follow directions into the wrong way. I, all I say is I hope that they got the insurance on the vehicle. I just, do you guys weigh that every time? I'm like, I don't know. You're looking up crime stats and accident history in the town. Is it worth the $12 a day? To them it should have been. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. They didn't say that in the news article. So today we're starting this new series called Jesus is Greater Than. Jesus is Greater Than. Over the course of the summer, we're going to study the book of Hebrews, chapter by chapter. So now, Hebrews is a very strong doctrinal book. And I know this is, this is like a strong doctrine. What is a doctrine? Doctrine. It's a good churchy word, isn't it? It's a doctrine. The doctrine of... You know. Doctrine is, is basically a codification of beliefs. It is, it is a, um, a body of teachings or principles that are taught. So doctrine equals code. So when the pirates of the Caribbean said, "Ar the code, it's like, you could have said, Ard, the doctrine, you know, and, and the doctrine of the pirate. I don't know, right? But the doctrine is like a code. Doctrine is like a set of values and beliefs. And so when you look at scripture, the word doctrine in scripture means this. There's a set of values and beliefs encapsulated inside of scripture that we live our lives by. That's what this doctrine is. And there's only a couple books of the Bible that I think have just massive amounts of, of biblical doctrine in them. And number one is Romans. And we've done that study in the past. We will do it again in the future. And this year, um, we're going to hit Hebrews. And I'm excited about this. And, and I know some of you guys are like, doctrine, boy, this sounds like a riveting series. Can't wait. But here, let me explain why I'm excited about this. It's because um, if you eat nothing but mashed potatoes, you're going to get sick. If you eat nothing but carrots, your skin's going to turn orange. So then your mom says, eat some more broccoli. All the moms said, amen. Yeah, that's right. Eat more broccoli. So, you know, you got to have a balanced meal, right? If you don't have protein, if you don't have vegetables, if you don't have, you got to have a balanced meal and a balanced plate by which you're eating from. And so I know it's not as fun as like Elijah calling down fire from heaven. That's awesome. Oh, they, they march around walls in Jericho and they tumble down. Jesus is healing the blind eyes. But listen, if all you're doing is looking at the miraculous one-time miracle things and not basing it on the foundation of doctrine, you're going to get led astray in the wrong way. So biblical doctrine is very, very, very important. And so throughout this summer, we're going to cover the basics of the doctrine of Christian, Christian doctrine going through the, the summer and through this whole thing that Jesus is greater than, and we're going to work our way through the book of Hebrews. By the way, Brussels sprouts should never enter the equation of health. <laughs> and never. Brussels sprouts are not healthy. They are not good for you. Yeah. <laughs> Can I get an amen on the Brussels sprouts? See, I got more for that than the broccoli comment. So, yeah, this summer is going to be a great season. I, I really can't wait to go deep with you guys on a Sunday morning. 
And so we also have a series of guest speakers coming in that are going to speak to this same topic. And so I've asked last year, we did some guest speakers, and we said, just come and preach your best sermon that you've ever preached, you know? And everybody's got a one-hit or two-hit wonder. You know, I've got one or two sermons that I'm like, hey, I could preach that again somewhere else, and, and, and it went so well. And so last year, we did that. This year, I'm saying, hey, we're going to do this, and here's your chapter of the Bible, and let's see how you do with it. And so... Uh, so anyhow, we get to have some fun this summer with some great guest speakers, some of which I am just shocked that they've agreed to come and speak in our church, honestly. They are just incredible speakers who are high demand. And so I'm telling you, like, we have a treat coming this summer with a few of these guest speakers that are coming. So let's get started this morning. Let's turn our Bible to the book of Hebrews, to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews. Now, if you're new to the faith and you're looking at this giant Bible, the Bible is actually a collection of books. It's more like a library than a book. So the book of Hebrews is toward the back. So it's like maybe four or five, six. I should have looked that up before I got up here. <laughs> I should know that by heart, right? I'm a pastor. But it's a few books back from the end, and, and Hebrews is right there. And so verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. The book starts off with a demarcation point. It was this way, but now it moving forward, it is this new way. It was that way, and now it is this way. In the that way, in the old time, God spoke through our fathers by the prophets, but in the last days, he's spoken to us by his son. Here's the thing. Jesus is the greater revelation from what was to what is now. Jesus is greater than. Jesus is the greater revelation of who God is. He is the greater revelation. You see, God communicated through his people, to his people through various ways in the Old Testament. The Jewish Christians at the time were putting a lot of emphasis on certain Old Testament prophets. And so they're writing this book to say, hey, listen, that Jesus is the greater revelation of who God is, more so than those of the past. And you think about it, you get, this is kind of understandable that they put this extra emphasis on the prophets because in, in that time, or in the, for thousands of years, the prophets have been their main way of knowing what God wanted. And so they're saying, this, this writer is saying, Jesus is God's son, and so listen to him. But you know, I gotta be honest, we see people who would rather listen to other things besides Jesus even in the Christian community. Sometimes we'd rather read a self-help book. Or sometimes you see Christians who would rather listen to someone who sounds spiritual. Oprah Winfrey's gotten real spiritual sounding lately, and, and people will quote her. And, and, and i do not speaking to her pros or cons, but all I'm saying is Jesus is significantly greater than Oprah Winfrey, right? He's, he's, Jesus is so much greater than the self-help book that you find on the shelf. Jesus is so much greater than all of this thing. In fact, so many times you see people with, with the latest celebrity fad or the latest celebrity thing that you find out there, but it, it's, it's not true. See, Jesus is still greater than all of that. And people have this weird tendency to ignore the revelation of God because they think they know better. In fact, you hear this all the time. Why well, I think all roads lead to heaven. Don't you hear that in our culture sometimes? Well, all paths eventually lead to the same place. I mean, you call your God, God, and they call their God, Allah, and somebody else calls it the universe or the divine, or it's all really the same thing, isn't it? No, no, it, it's actually not. 
But those kinds of sayings and phrases which permeate our pop culture today want to start to infuse themselves into the church. And we can't, we have to understand that if we let that come into the church, if we let that, that kind of stinking thinking get into our mindset and mentality, it will erode the foundation by which the gospel is built on. Right? Yes. And so we have this thing that we have to understand that Jesus is greater than all of these other things that you hear, than all of these other things. Sometimes we think we know what's best, but we could learn to find out later that we don't. It reminds me of a story that's pretty popular. Some of you may have heard it before, but there was a captain who was sailing through the waters, and as he's sailing through the water, he sees a dim light in, in the distance. And so he tells his signalman, he says, signalman, send a message. You know, please alter your, your course 10 degrees south. And immediately the light comes back flashing and says, no, you alter your course 10 degrees north. And, and the captain says, don't you know who I am? Like, I am a captain in the, in the Navy. This, like, he's, he gets really upset. And he says, okay, tell him this. You know, you alter your course 10 degrees south. I am a U.S. Navy captain. And, and so then comes back and it says, you know, you alter your um, course 10 degrees north. Um, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a seaman third class Jones. I mean, and this guy's really upset because he's like, man, this guy's really far beneath his, his rank and he shouldn't be barking back. And, 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 and so the captain says, you know, I know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really invoke some fear into him. This is the USS battleship whatever. I am captain so-and-so. You will alter your course 10 degrees south. And, and, and uh, the guy flashes back and he says, uh, you alter your, you know, your course 10 degrees north. I am a lighthouse. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter how big you think you are or how big your battleship is. There is a rock, there is a truth, and that is Jesus Christ. You can think that you know the way. You can think that you have power. You might think that you've figured some things out in your life to where you think you have the moral high ground and the authority by which to say this is how life is. But I'm telling you, Jesus is even greater than your most lofty thoughts. Jesus is even greater than your biggest ideas. Your biggest ideals pale in comparison to who Jesus is. And so Jesus is still even greater than the greatest you think you could possibly be. Jesus is greater. He is the greater authority. God speaks through his son. There is no greater authority, and Jesus is the lighthouse. He is the greater revelation. All right, verse number three. There's 14 verses here, so we better get moving. Verse number three, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Number, this is it. Jesus is the greater representation. Because the verse says this, that he is the exact imprint. Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. So this is the word, right? So the Bible wasn't written in English. Uh, this section was written in Greek. And so when you're translating from one language to another, sometimes you lose some of the some of the impact of the words, and so it helps to go back to the original language and understand how that word is used and, and, and what it is. So the, the word um, exact imprint would be the same word that would be used for a rubber stamp that stamps the same thing 
over and over and over again. And so the stamp gets the ink and puts it down. So every time that thing goes down, it is an exact imprint. In today's day and age, it would actually be more along the lines of a high-resolution photocopy machine. Where when you click-clack on the computer and say, I want nine copies of this, all nine copies look exactly the same. Jesus is the exact replication of who God is down here on earth when he was here. So it's the exact imprint can be used for a stamp or a photocopy machine. So Jesus is the express image, an exact copy, because he is the exact essence of the Father. In fact, in Colossians chapter 1, in verses 15, it says that he is the image of the invisible God. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. All the fullness of God lives in bodily form. This has enormous implications. It really has enormous implications. You see, Jesus is absolutely unique. He is not like any other. No one can compare to who Jesus is. In fact, every other world religion out there, whoever they say their God is or their leader, cannot compare to who Jesus is. Not not. Not Muhammad, not Krishna, not, not Buddha, not Confucius. Not even Moses or Elijah, who are prophets in the Bible, can compare to who Jesus is. Not even supernatural beings can compare, which is why the rest of this chapter it might stand out as a little odd, but it talks a whole lot about angels. Now, at the time, there was this big emphasis on angels, but honestly, in our culture, there's a big emphasis on angels, too. So not even supernatural beings can compare, which is why angels are mentioned so much in this chapter. So as we move on to verse number four, verse number four, it says this, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. God never said that to an angel. Or again, I will be, to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. So angels are actually there that are going to worship God, worship Jesus. Jesus doesn't worship angels. Angels worship Jesus. And and hear me out. I know you're like, okay, this is a little different. Let's move through this together because I I promise you this is all going to connect in, in just a moment. You see, Jesus is the greater representation of who God is. So in the time this was written, there was this weird fascination with angels. But in our time, we have people who are fascinated with it too. We have TV shows about angels. We have movies that are about angels, books that are about angels. Some people are just obsessed with with angels as if, and, and, and angels. We have all these different things, figurines, angel decorations. There's even a baseball team named the Angels. But, of course, just about everyone's greater than that team. So (laughs) there's no question there. Hope there's no Angels fans in the house. In the Bible, angels are majestic, and they're powerful servants of God. They're they're majestic, powerful servants of God. They are described in masculine terms and appear as powerful creatures who overwhelm people with their glory. And Jesus is greater than any of the angels, which means he is even more masculine and even more overwhelming with his glory. In verse 6, it said, let all of God's angels worship Jesus. Through the rest of this chapter, you start to see where Hebrews gives a detailed 
like compare, contrast type picture between Jesus and angels and Jesus and angels and, and, it, and it just keeps going down and down. This is just as important today as it was then. So considering Jesus and equal to angels is a clear contradiction of scripture. It's, it's crystal clear. So in verse 14, it says this, are they not all ministering spirits, talking about angels, are they not all, are they, the angels, not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? So angels are sent out from God for the purpose of pointing people to Jesus so they might inherit salvation. That, that's what is, is being said in, in verse 14. So I got three points out of this that I want to talk about. Number one is this, is your doctrine matters. Your doctrine matters. Your doctrine matters. I like the fun pack stories, though. I want to talk about the fire from heaven and walls falling down and eyes and ears growing back. You know, I'm particularly fascinated by the ears growing back. And preach me a sermon that has me jumping out of my seat and shouting, amen, preacher. Preach it, preacher, come on. You know, well, come on, this is fire. I'll tell you why, because your foundation matters. Your foundation matters. In fact, you can look at the leaning tower of Pisa. In Italy, it's very famous. It's tilted to one side. And, and all the time you see the pictures of people that go visit. They're so, you know, they're so unique. And, and you got one guy on one side acting like he's holding it up, you know. You another guy on the other side acting like he's pushing it down. And you're like, okay, people, get original, man. Get original. I don't know what else you could do. But, but you know, you look at the leaning tower of Pisa. And they started construction in 1173. And it took them almost 200 years to finish construction on the tower. They kept getting interrupted by wars and stuff like that. And, the, and they didn't have the modern technology like we do too. You know, they realized that when they started on the second story, that's when they realized that um, there was a slight tilting issue at hand. But they continued, you know. Well, if it doesn't, you know, by story two, we've three, we can, maybe by, by story eight, they were like, we've got a problem on our hands. We should just stop here. This thing is constructed, lots of marble, extremely heavy, over 15,000 metric tons. The root problem of this tower is not what you see above the ground. The root problem of this tower is what you don't see that's underneath the ground. There was a foundation problem. You see, the soil was soft. In fact, Pisa means marsh. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out you may have some soil issues in Pisa. But they built an eight-story tower with a small foundation on soft ground. A small foundation on soft ground. Listen, if your doctrine gets messy, you're going to end up on a tilt. And in the beginning of your faith, you're going to start to see this thing. And you're going to start to be building your faith and start working, walking with the Lord. And you're going to start to see this. And here's what happens is, is when you lay the first level, you're like, this seems just fine. And then pretty soon you build the second level. And you might feel a slight tilt in your faith and your belief system. You might feel a slight tilt. And then, but you're like, you know, I'm just going to keep building. Like, it'll, I'll straighten it out uh, along the way, you know? And, and then you start building and building. But the problem is, is that if your foundation isn't right, the tilt will start to fall. 
And so in the 1960s, they gathered all the brilliant engineering minds together, and they said, how can we fix this thing? And so for decades, they tried different tactics to try to fix it. And some slowed the, slowed the sink. Some actually accelerated the, the sinking. They, they kept working and working and working. And eventually, in the mid to late 90s, they had a solution that actually stopped it and got it frozen. And they were able to pull it back just a little bit. They had a solution. And the Italian government says, actually, um, we don't want you to straighten that all the way um, because we, you know... Having a gangster lean is kind of cool. And so people take pictures and to tourists, the, the used-to-be-leaning tower of Pisa, Pisa doesn't quite roll off the tongue as well. The tower, the tower formerly known as leaning. They built an eight-story tower. Listen, if your doctrine gets messy, you're going to end up on a tilt that will lead to the fall. In fact, most cults start that way. Most cults start that way. It's just a slight delineation that this slight thing. In fact, small decisions at the foundation lead to large destinations at the end. Small decisions in the beginning and the foundation lead to large destinations in the end. See, the early church was starting to drift into worshiping other things besides Jesus. There was a little bit of angel worship that was starting to happen. You know, we see it now. We see people praying to angels, to dead people, to saints, We see it all the time. None of these practices are biblical. If you are worshiping anything besides Jesus, it's not biblical. It's not. If the tradition, if your tradition contradicts scripture, we need to listen to Jesus, not traditions. We need to read scripture, not traditions. Sometimes we have some traditions that need to be adjusted or maybe even eliminated in our life. So if your doctrine gets messy, you might end up on the wrong wrong path. In fact, if you look at some of the cults that have sprung up about 100, 120, 130 years ago, there were a handful of cults that all started around the same time, and they started with this exact issue. And and so I'm going to point out just a couple of them, just because you will hear of them. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, they believe that Jesus was an angel. In fact, they had this weird fascination with predicting the end times and getting it wrong um, over and over and over again. And, and so, but they, they have this thing. So they, but their foundational piece that started to shift it was they actually fell away from this exact scripture. They lowered Jesus from being the son of God to being an angel. They said, well, we'll just lower him one click. Maybe he's like the angel boss, the boss of angels. Or they started like messing with this one exact passage. This was the start of the tilt of the lean that led the Jehovah's Witnesses into apostasy. That's exactly what it was. And so if you look in the Mormons as well, the Mormons actually take it a little bit further. They say Jesus was a man like us on a different planet. And uh, because he did all the right things in the perfect way, he was elevated now to an angel status. Now he has his own planet. And so um, now if we do the same things, we might end up with our own planet as well. And, and, and all of you think, well, come on, Matt, that's kind of like, I don't think I'm ever going to go that far. But listen to this. The mission of, of our church, in fact, the mission of every local church, Christian church, has something along this lines. We're going to love God and we're going to love people. We phrase it a little differently because we're trying to be unique. And we call it, we're going to live like Jesus and we're going to share his love. 
right? We're gonna, we're gonna worship Jesus, we're gonna share his love. We're gonna love God and we're gonna love people, right? There, there's this core mission that you see all the way through. Here's the challenge. You can take the biblical mission of the local church and you can take the slight foundational tweaks and that works for all of these different cults that are out there. You can take what is a biblically ordained mission from God, and if you have a tweaked foundation, you can still use that biblically-minded mission and start to drift in a direction. And in level one, you don't see it. And in level two, you might feel it, but you can't really see it. I'm not really sure. By level three and level four, you're so far into this thing, let's just finish it up to level eight because we're on this path. And, and they don't want to tear it down and start over, right? So, so if, you, if your foundation is tweaked, you have got to get your doctrine sound and level and understand that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the exact representation of who God the Father is, and he is greater than everything else that is in here in this earth. We have to get that settled in our hearts. And it's not a minor thing. It feels minor at the moment. You're like, okay, I kind of get it. But if you don't get this, it could screw everything else up. Small decisions can lead to large destinations. Small decisions can lead to large, large destinations. See, if anyone tries to tell you that Jesus Christ is not God, consider this. Scripture tells us to worship only God. Only God. And Jesus Christ willingly received worship. At his birth, the wise men worshipped him. When Jesus healed the blind man, the, he, the, 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 the healed man worshipped him. After Jesus walked on the water, his, his disciples worshipped him. And after his resurrection, the disciples worshiped him again. And even today, you and I have the opportunity to worship him, and he freely receives the worship. So is he an absolute madman, or is he the son of God? You see, Jesus can't just be a middle road character. He's too polarizing. When you look through scripture, he's absolutely a lunatic, or he's the Lord. That's it. There's, there's no other way. So if you say, okay, he is the son of God, but we're just going to demote him by a rank, no, you can't do that. You can't demote him by a rank. He is either the son of God or he is nothing. And I, I know in my knower, through the scripture that God has provided and through his Holy Spirit, that, that Jesus Christ is the son of God and he is worthy of our worship. If the band would come back on stage, we're gonna wrap up this morning. And number three is this. Don't let distractions derail you from your destiny. Don't let distractions derail you from your destiny. You see, this, this is one of the greatest tricks of the enemy. You see, if, if the enemy come on and said, hey, before you start building this thing, I'm going to make sure it leans really far and eventually collapses. You wouldn't do it because you're better than that. You're smarter than that. You wouldn't intentionally derail your life. But if he can give small distractions that seem insignificant, then he will get your distractions to derail you from your destiny. If the enemy came at you with a bold-faced lie, you wouldn't believe him but he can slowly distract you into unbelief. If he can do that, that's what he'll do. Sometimes distraction is, is a powerful, powerful tool. Reminds me of a story of a, in the Soviet Union. The Soviet leader, Nikita, used to tell of a time when there was a wave of petty theft in the Soviet Union. So to cur curtail the, the theft, the authorities put guards around the factories. At one Timber works in Leningrad. The guard knew all the workers in the factory very well. The first evening, out came Petrovich with a wheelbarrow. And on the wheelbarrow, a great bulky sack. And it looked a little odd. And he says, what's in the sack? 
And he says, oh, it's just some wood shavings from the factory. I'm going to use them for firewood and try to burn it for heat in my house. And he's like, ah, empty it out. Empty it out. So he empties the sack into the wheelbarrow. And, and he's, like, he's like, okay, it's nothing but wood shavings. You're good to go. So he's inspecting things. But every single day at the end of the day, Petrovich walks out with a wheelbarrow with a sack. And, and he goes through it every single day. And, and he goes, there's something wrong with this guy. And I can't figure out. And so he pulls out pockets and he checks pockets and he's, he's frisking him and he can't figure it out. So after a couple weeks, he, he, he pulls Petrovich aside and he says, listen, here's the deal. I will give you immunity right now. I don't know what you're up to, but I can tell you're up to something. And so he says, I'm going to give you immunity right now. If you confess at all, you know, I won't prosecute you for any of it. He says, what are you stealing? Wheelbarrows. I'm stealing wheelbarrows. <laughs> Sometimes the distraction covers up something right in front of you that is so obvious if you see it for face value. The enemy will use distractions to keep you focused on the wrong thing so that he can do something so major in your life to try to take you out, to try to corrupt your foundation, to try to get you to lean. And his goal isn't just to get you to lean, it's to get you to lean to the place where the whole cult structure collapses. The enemy is out to seek, kill, and destroy you. And he will do it through these methods. You have to get your doctrine right. We have to keep our eyes on the main thing, which is Jesus. See, nothing else is worthy of our worship. Not our ancestors, not history, not past saints, not angels, only Jesus. So today, we have the privilege of worshiping the Son of God. We can bow our knees in prayer, and we can raise our voices in worship to Jesus Christ, the unique Son of God, the creator and sustainer of all things. Will you guys stand with me? I'd like to pray with you. As your pastor, I want to make sure that you have a firm foundation. I want to make sure that you have a firm foundation. I want to make sure that the distractions in this world don't lead you into a wrong destination. You see, Jesus is greater than the angels and the prophets because his position is superior to theirs. So my hope for you is that you would keep Jesus as the supreme in your life. Don't let small decisions or distractions lead you to a wrong destination. Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you that you are supreme. God, I thank you that you are the exact representation of, of God the Father. God, we are, I'm so thankful that you came to earth and made a way for us to be in relationship with you. That we don't have to pray through any sort of saints. We don't have to pray through any sort of mediary. God, we just get direct access to you. And so, God, I ask that as, as we leave here this morning, God, that you would um, instill in us um, this strong foundation of knowing who you are and why that is so important and why that is matter. God, God, let us praise your name greater than anything else, God. Let us understand that you are a greater God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Got a couple of things. One thing is this, is we have prayer teams that came here and they want to pray with you. They'll be on either side of the stage over here. If you need any prayer for any reason whatsoever, they want to pray with you. And the second thing is this, is our Connect class is starting this week. Um, and so if, even if you didn't sign up and you forgot to sign up and you want to show up, we always buy a little extra food. So you are welcome to join us. And it's going to be starting in about 15, 20 minutes right over here in the comments. God bless you. Let's sing one last song before we leave this morning.